says, it says, I'm sorry, 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mindset. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk, as you have for us a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and are now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. We're going to pause right there, and we're going to focus today on Philippians 3, verse 17 specifically, which says, join together following my example. If you want to take notes with us this morning, I encourage you to do so, and I encourage you to get in the habit of that. Uh, a matter of fact, on the back of those notes today is a family devotional guide uh, um, for fathers to use in their home tonight. I'm going to challenge the dads in this service, if you have young children here, and in the second service, that tonight, since we don't have service when you're spending time with your family, to lead a family devotional in the home. But we're going to get to that later. Here's the first thing we need to know based on Philippians 3.17, that dad... You cannot do it alone. That's our first point this morning. You cannot do it alone. And this goes for every Christian because actually every Christian is charged with following the example of Christ. Miss Janice, me and you are both jointly charged with following the example of Christ. Miss Janice does so lovely by showing her pastor she loves uh, the Lord and preparing that wonderful pie that you make. But we are all charged with following Christ's example and showing love and caring for others. But here's the key. You can't do it alone. And as dads, sometimes they feel like they're in a race by themselves. They go to work all week. They come home worn out. Mommy's handing them a crying baby with a dirty diaper. Says, here, you change it. I've been changing it all day. And then they get worn out. They get stressed out. And Saturday, they're working in the yard all day, taking the kids to ball games and all kinds of things like that. And then they come to church Sunday and they hear about the word of God and they understand that it's a spiritual responsibility to be the leader in the home. But the great thing is, God has provided us grace that we don't have to do this alone. We have brothers and sisters to walk with. And what's amazing about Philippians 3.17 is he says, join together in following my example. That means the goal of the church, the goal of Christ, and the desire of Christ for your life is that when you get together with the body of Christ, that we're all following Christ together. It's not Steve following Christ, and then we come and we talk about some, some transcendent concept, and then we go out and we follow Christ. No, we come here so that we can mutually encourage each other in following Christ. Now, what I find amazing is that the Apostle Paul said this. He says, brothers, join together in following my example. I want you to know something about the confidence of Apostle Paul. He was confident enough in his Christian walk to challenge them to be like him. And I want every single person in the room to ask themselves today, could we tell others, be like me? Are we confident enough in our walk following Christ that we can tell other people, be like me. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, you know what? I do good enough to get out of bed and make it to church on Sunday. Y'all ever heard that serenity prayer? There's another prayer that says, uh, Lord, I woke up today. I haven't, 
I haven't yelled at anybody. I haven't cussed. I haven't gotten mad. I haven't uh, uh, sinned in my anger. But God, I'm fixing to get out of bed. And I need your help for today. <laughs> Some of us, you know what? We do good just to get to church on Sunday. I heard about this man. He woke up. His wife woke him up, said, honey, we got to go to church today. He said, honey, I'm just too tired. She says, honey, you know we're supposed to go to church. That's what we're supposed to do. He said, honey, I think I'm just going to sleep in it today. The wife said, you really need to get up and go. And finally, the guy said, I just don't think I can make it. And the lady finally said, well, honey, you're the pastor, and it's probably pretty important <laughs> that you make it to church today. A lot of us do good just making it to church, and now we're talking about following the example of Christ. But you know what? Here's the deal. We're all normal people. Nobody is more spiritual than the other person. You know what? The preacher's not more spiritual than anybody. The chairman of deacons is not more spiritual than anybody. We all come together, fallen people, serving a risen Lord who are here to mutually encourage one another in following the example of Christ. Now, like I told you about that game, Following the Leader. The leader in the home, we associate the leader in the home as the strongest person. We associate the leader as the innovative person. And we associate the leader as a steadfast person. But what happens is when we read the New Testament, we find that Apostle Paul was not confident necessary in being a leader. What he was confident in was that he was a follower. What do I mean by this? His confidence was found in the fact that he was following Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So here's where Apostle Paul's confidence was rooted. He was not at the front of the line coming up with the way to be Christian and then saying, listen, get in line behind me because I'm doing it right. No, what happens is he says, I'm being like Christ and that's where my confidence is found. So because I'm being like Christ and Christ is in the front of the line and I'm doing what Jesus did and I'm doing what Jesus does, then I can be confident that you can follow me. As a dad, as a Christian, our only confidence can be found if we ourselves are following Christ. If we are not following Christ, then we can't tell others be like me. Because in reality, we don't want them to be like us. We want them to be like Jesus. But they have to see who we are first. The question today is not are we leading our families or are we being the example we're supposed to be. The question is, are we following Christ? And here's the cool thing. Here's the good thing. That because following Christ is what I would call uncharted territory, you don't really see about it in the culture. They don't really make movies about following Christ in the culture. You don't turn on MTV and they're telling you about following Christ. They'll tell you about buying new Nikes and putting dubs on your Escalade, but they're not going to tell you about following Christ. Because it's somewhat unknown, the good thing is today that he has provided and allowed that you walk with other Christians together. That when you get together and you walk with other Christians together in your Sunday school class, in the corporate church setting, that's God's grace so that people can see each other trying to run the race by themselves and you don't feel alone. Has anybody ever run a marathon? Nobody has. You know what? I've never seen a marathon where only one person ran. You know why like hundreds and thousands of people run together at one time? Because let's say, let's say you're a really good runner and you want to go out tomorrow and you want to see how well you can run 26.2 miles. You're not just going to go run 
on the road by yourself. You know what you're going to do? You're going to put other people around you to challenge you and encourage you. And the world record times have been set when people were running, when hundreds and thousands of other people were running with them. This is the deal with Christianity. You can't do Christianity alone. You can't be a dad alone. You can't be an example. You're supposed to be alone. We're supposed to do it together so we're running together and encouraging each other. And when we come and maybe we've fallen and we come into the house of God, we can say, Brother Carl, I know last week was a bad week, but let's press on towards the prize in Jesus Christ. You see, there is strength in numbers. After I had the tumors removed from my stomach about two years ago, no one actually knew what those tumors were. None of the doctors knew what those tumors were. I was like a genetic anomaly, right? Now, the problem with doctors is that every one of them will, every one of them will tell you a different story. But what happened was, because they didn't know what these tumors were, they invited me to come before a board of doctors who would get together once a quarter and they would examine various cases. And what happened is these doctors got together and they saw the slides from my biopsy. And when they collaborated together, these 12 doctors, they were much stronger mentally than they were on their own. Because this guy had seen this in a previous case. And this guy had seen this in a previous case. And they could get together and come to a consensus. This is what happens when we come to church. Because by myself, I'm not going to be a very strong Christian. But when I come in the house of God, and Lisa sings about my father's eyes, and Brother Ken sings about this old house, and Brother Dave gets up saying amen... And Pastor Robert, uh, uh, you know, tells me I look nice in my suspenders and he uses his gift of encouragement. Then we can run the race together easier. That's God's will for the church is that we join together in following Christ. Fatherhood is not an isolated task. When I was younger, I'd get real nervous if I had to sing in front of people or had to speak in some setting. My heart would start beating real fast. My palms would sweat very badly. Then when I was in college as a music major, my vocal professor told me this. He said, you know what, you're going to have to calm your, nor- your nerves in order for your verse to- voice to be calmed down. He says, when you see all those people out in the audience, know that all those people want you to do well. No one wants to hear a bad performance. Everyone wants you to do well. And here's the thing that encourages me as a preacher. It's not that people are listening for me to mess up or listening how many words I'm going to jumble together. They want to hear a good word. And here's the thing about your Christian race. Your fellow Christians are cheering you on. A lot of people think, man, when they came to church, I had a guy text me about four weeks ago. He said, why are Baptists so bad about judging people? And honestly, I'm not sure what he's talking about. I think the people who judge others actually think everyone else is judging them. But when in reality, we're not here to judge, we're here to encourage you. That's what the church is about. Man, if you want a judgmental place, just, you know, go to uh, North Lake Mall with all the ritzy people. And they're going to look at my outfit and they're going to say, man, where did that guy come from off the street? There's judgment out there. But when we come to House of God, it's about encouragement. Amen? When we join together for the purpose of following Christ, your family joins together with you. Dads, they want you to take lead. Christians, everyone else wants you to be a leader. We want to see you following Christ as an example. And you know what? The preacher needs examples too. Because the preacher can't do it alone. The preacher sees people using encouragement and sees people using their gift of ministry. And uh, this uh, on Friday, m- my family was without power for over 24 hours. 
on, a, on Friday, Brother Ken called me and said that Beth Weinbrenner had had 12 trees fall at her house. Some of the men from our church went together and got over there and started cutting down trees. And I said, man, that's so good. And you know what happened? That encouraged me. I couldn't make it because my wife was busy. She had to go to praise band practice and I had to take care of the kids that afternoon. But they were encouraging me because they were using their Christian gifts and loving on people. So we all do it together. So first, Dad, you cannot do it alone. Secondly, is that in the scripture, Philippians 3.17 says this. Join in following my example and note for those who so walk that you also have a pattern. Your translation may say that you have in us a model. Here's the point. A model is a picture of the real thing. A model is supposed to be a picture of the real thing. If you're being an example of Christ or a model of Christ, the goal is that you're supposed to look like the real thing. The problem is a lot of Christians look like something else. We don't know what we look like, but we're supposed to look like Jesus. That's what we're supposed to look like. When I was about 15, my family and I were riding through the mountains, and my mom sees a sign, and she says, Look, that's not a motel. That's a model. And my dad says, "Uh, You mean model? As in model home? So uh, it was a model home, but she thought it was a model. That was a new one for me. What is a model home supposed to be? It's supposed to be something that you can come and tour that gives you an example of what the rest of them are supposed to look like. Here, Christian, you're not supposed to be a model, but you're supposed to be a model of Jesus Christ. If model helps you remember it, then you go and be a model, whatever you need to be. The model, the model is a picture of the real thing. And here's what Apostle Paul says, that you have in us a model. Follow me because I'm trying to be a model of what Jesus Christ actually is. And his instructions are, follow me not because I'm worthy, but I'm simply a model pointing to the truth. So what is a model? In the Greek text, the word here, for example, is is typon. Typon, it means a type. That can be translated a copy, an image, a pattern. So here's what the apostle is saying. He says his job was to be an image of Jesus. We are supposed to be a copy of Jesus. We are supposed to be a pattern of Jesus. What happens with the ladies in their sewing ministry on Tuesday? If they have a pattern, they lay it on the fabric, and they can cut every piece of fabric to be the same way. That should how it be for us Christians. We should be a model so people can look at us and say, that's what the person they're following looks like. That's our goal. We're supposed to be an example. Now here we really feel the pressure of setting a standard for our family, for our neighbors. When you understand that you are personally called to be an example of Jesus in your community, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? But I'm going to tell you why the pressure is okay. And this is the reason. That... When Jesus was here on earth, let me tell you about the pattern he set. When Jesus was here on earth, he wasn't even the first in line. What do I mean by that? Jesus said in John 5, 19, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless he sees the Father doing it. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did. Now listen, this is the Son of God, our Holy Savior that died on the cross. When he was on earth, all he did was what he saw the Father doing. The only thing he did was what the Father instructed him to do. Now let me tell you something. There's a reason why Jesus did that. Because he was showing us how to pattern our lives. Do y'all remember them bracelets that came out years ago called WWJD? 
What would Jesus do? I think the bracelet should have been different. Instead of WWJD, should have been WDJD. What did Jesus do? And the answer is only what the Father told him. So here's why there's not, what I'm going to say, a whole lot of pressure on you. You don't have to be the innovative person in the front of the line. You don't have to come up with something new. All you have to do is what Christ has already told you to do. That's it. But the reason this is so hard is because so so few of us actually like to read instructions. And we don't like to ask for directions. Some of us have treated the Bible like a Rand McNally road atlas. Y'all have the Rand McNally atlases in your car or in your vehicle? You remember those? Old Rand McNally. Man, now that the iPhone came out, he's losing a bunch of his stock. But for a long time, Rand McNally was a standard. And it's like 100 pages with every state. And you've got to find every state. If you're in you know, New York, you've got to flip to New York. And then if you're in uh, the upper New York, you're going to find the submap, which is upper New York. And the problem is we treat the Bible like a Rand McNally road atlas. But in reality, the Bible's like a smartphone. Robert, will you throw me my iPhone right there? Sitting in front of you. Here's the deal. I'm going to show you today why the Bible is not like a road atlas. It's like a smartphone. If I pull up my, small, my smartphone and I go to my, my maps tab... I can push this little button in the bottom of the screen and it instantly pulls up my location. It says Friendship Southern Baptist right there. In three seconds, it tells me where I'm at. Isn't that cool? Now, here's the other cool thing. I can put any address in the United States and it will tell me how to get there within about 30 seconds. Well, actually about 10 seconds. See, a lot of people don't refer to the instructions of Christianity because they feel like they're going to have to go through an atlas and find where they are. And they feel like they're going to have to go through the atlas to find where they're going. But here's what I've discovered about Scripture. You see, when you jump into Scripture, it will speak to you where you are right now. It will be just like this GPS that shows where you are right now. I'll give you an example. I've got a buddy in the military base that I developed a relationship with for many years. And I brought my Bible in and we start looking at different Bible passages during the break. And we went to, uh, we turned to Matthew and he started reading in Matthew. And he said, man, this is just like what I go through here at the shop. Because it was the parable of the workers. And some of the workers got paid for the same amount and didn't work as much. And he's a government employee. So that's what he related. You know, some people work and some people don't. But they get paid the same amount. He's like, this is just what I go through. And I said, you know what's cool? Is that whenever you read the Bible, it will speak to you somehow in your situation. And it will also tell you where you need to go. give you an example. Right now, I've been reading through the book of Ecclesiastes. Past three weeks, I was reading through the book of Proverbs. I kept reading through the book of Proverbs till God told me to go somewhere else. And now I'm in Ecclesiastes. And no matter where you go, if you will open it up and just dig in, God will show you where you are and where you need to go. The Bible is not an atlas, it's a smartphone. Because whenever you jump into it, it'll show you where you are, where you need to go. It'll give you that model. We just have to follow the instructions. The best model gives the clearest picture of the original. Maybe you feel like you've been a really bad model and there's no way you can fix the way that you've uh, been to give your family a positive image to follow. Maybe you feel like you've set a bad model to your family and friends. But in reality, one of the most powerful ways we can demonstrate being Christ-like is to show them that we have a new start. You know what? I did a bad job last week. But you say, hey, neighbor, hey, friend, hey, cousin, whoever it is, hey, I did a bad job last week, but I'm going to try doing right now. I'm going to try to be the person I need to be now.
If Christ tells us anything, he tells us that he loves giving people a fresh start. No matter what you did last week, no matter what you did last year, you can start serving God now and be the Christian that you need to be. I heard this yesterday. It said that fatherhood is like brushing your teeth. No matter how well you did today, you will have to do it again tomorrow. Now turn to your neighbor and ask him if they would like a Mentos. We can become a better model every day. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, We all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You know what? Being the model of Christ is a lifelong process. Every day will become a good model. My mother's best friend, uh, Jenny, her father passed away. And he was an airplane pilot on a B-52 Flying Fortress. And whenever he died, uh, it was during the summer I was out of school. They commissioned me to put together a model of a B-52 to put on his casket. And I took that responsibility very seriously. And I spent several days working meticulously with all these fine parts. And working meticulously with, with this paint. And you know what? After the first day, it didn't like... It looked, looked just like a, a hunk of mess. Parts laying everywhere. The pieces weren't sanded. Nothing was painting. And it didn't look really good. And that's sometimes the stage we are in our Christian life. Sometimes God has to break us apart before he can put us together. But no matter what stage you're in, don't give up. And lastly, point three is this. Our kids can't see Jesus, but they can see us. The apostle ends Philippians three seventeen by saying this. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And on those who walk as you has have for us a pattern. Look at us. Look at the pattern that we have set. Fix your eyes upon those who are living like we live. Here's what the apostle knows about the human condition. He knows that you are going to watch people. He knows that you are going to examine how other people live. Matter of fact, that's one of my favorite pastimes. Just going to Walmart and people watching. You will learn a lot about humanity in a 15-minute span of watching people at Walmart. But here is his instructions. If you're going to watch someone, watch those who are really living as the examples of Christ. What happens if I watch, uh, I don't know, let's say keeping up with the Kardashians every day? If I turn on the TV and I watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, you know what my view of life and humanity is going to be like? Whatever the Kardashians are, are setting. If you watch people in your neighborhood and how they live and how they treat each other, your example and your pattern that you're seeing is what those people are doing. But here's what the apostle says. He says, don't watch other people. Only those who are living like Christ. I've heard that you are the sum product of the, the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Put together the five people you spend the most time with, and that's going to tell you what you are like. Now, here's how I'm going to tell you you can give your great, yourself great leverage. Make three of those people Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Make sure three of those people are Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the other two are really good Christians. And then hopefully, you're going to bring your status from here to up here based on the people you're watching. And a good thing we can do is turn the TV off. Because normally, good Christian people don't make the media any money. That's normally the case. Unless it's Duck Dynasty. And they're still a little on the far side. But watch people who are living a good Christian testimony. 
That's what I love about coming to church with people that have been in church a long time and people that, that have been a backbone of the church and people that have lived Christian lives is that we can watch them and watch their testimony and learn from them and be encouraged by them. We watch each other. And the reality is not only do you watch people, but our kids will watch us. They know things about you that you don't even know. This is the same with being a, a, a youth pastor. Teenagers will watch you, and teenagers will watch us. Matter of fact, y'all don't even know it, but the teenagers that come into church that are, that are coming into Sunday school or here on Wednesday nights, they're watching all of you to see what your Christian life is like. Kids and students, they will know things about us that we don't even know. This week our power went out on Thursday, and we spent over 24 hours without power. It didn't come on until late Friday evening. I spent all day Friday working out in the yard, and Friday evening came around. I was tired. I was worn out. I knew the water had, the power had turned back on. It was going to take a while for the hot water to come on, so I said, I'll just get a shower in the morning. I woke up uh, Saturday morning, got a shower, and I was putting my shoes on after the shower. Bella came up to me, and she said, Daddy, I'm sure glad you smell like normal again. <laughs> I didn't even know I smelled that bad, but she knew it. <laughs> They will know things about us that we don't even know. And the reality is that kids want to be like you in everything. Children are not born with a moral compass. Children are not born knowing right from wrong. If they hear gossiping at the dinner table, then they will gossip at the dinner table. If they see you yelling at each other, then they will yell at each other. If they hear you talking bad about the preacher, then they will rebuke you because everyone knows that's wrong. But whatever our children see, whatever the young people see us doing is the way they're going to pattern our lives or their lives. And we can't blame them because that's God's natural design is that children will be like their parents. That's the pattern that they see. They have nothing else to know. Even the amount of time children spend in the public school system, even the amount of time they spend at church, the study has shown the number one influencer of child behavior is their parents. Because from birth, that child has an attachment to you and they will do everything you do. If I'm sitting at the dinner table and I tap on my head, Roman doesn't know that what that means, but he's going to tap on his head. We do this thing we call praise the Lord. If he takes a bite, I say praise the Lord. Raise my hands up. And he raises hands up. He can't even speak English, but he can do what I do. That's kids' language. What you do, they will do. I hopefully, in this service today, that there's someone who says, you know what, I want to do a better job being the example that I need to be to my neighbors, to my family, for the sake of Christ. I want to give you basically a little road map here at the bottom. I want to give you a little roadmap here at the bottom of your bulletin of a, a four-part pattern for, to help dads be the Christian examples in their home. I'm going to go through this quickly. Number one is read the Bible as a family. I've given you an outline on the back of the notes tonight. If your kids are grown and gone from your family, hopefully the ones in the second service, they can spend time with their children. Read the Bible as a family. Secondly, pray with your kids before bed. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say it strongly. It is not the mother's job to go say their prayers with the children at bedtime. Mom, y'all have a lot. Y'all got a lot to do. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that Christian fathers should set the spiritual example in their home. Christian fathers should be the spiritual thermostat. What's the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? A thermometer gauges the temperature. 
A thermostat sets the temperature. I thank God for this thermostat right here because when I'm hot, I come push it down one, and it's going to make it 70 degrees. You see, here's the key, dads. Here's the key. We've got to be thermostats, not thermometers. We don't rise and fall based on the temperature. We set the temperature in our homes. And we say, this is the expectation of what we should be like. So secondly, pray with your kids. Thirdly, set the example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. That's a lot in one sentence. But that just means be the example. Live like Jesus did. And the only way you're going to know how Jesus lived is if you get into the Word of God and read it. We cannot follow the example unless we get into the Word of God and read it. I know a man, he doesn't have a lot of time to read, but he listens to the Bible on CD and tape. He listens to the Bible on CD and tape. And you know what? Praise the Lord. Because the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In whatever way you hear it, if you're reading or you're hearing it, some way get the word of God in you so that you can example it for your family. And lastly is this. If you mess up, say I'm sorry. It's as simple as that. Kids are going to know that you're not perfect. We don't have to be perfect for our children. We just have to be real. And one of the most real things we can do is admit when we're wrong. If we raise our voice too loud than it should have been raised, we say, you know what, I'm sorry. That wasn't right. Wherever we failed, whether it's for our wife, for our children, for our husbands, for our parents, we say, look, I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? That's all we got to do, folks. Read the Bible with our children, pray with our families, set the example, and then we will be the person who's following Christ, and we can find our confidence in Christ so that we know we can tell others, hey, be like me, because I'm trying to be like Jesus. Amen? Let's pray today. Lord... I pray that you'll have your will and your way in people's hearts today. God, may we fully surrender ourselves to you. God, may we be challenged and motivated today to use the Bible more like a GPS instead of like an atlas. That we would read it with joy, with faith, and with expectation that your goodness will pour out when we dig into it. And that will equip us to be the examples that we need to be for our neighbors, our friends, and specifically our family. God, I pray that you would help and encourage every dad in this place. God, encourage every mom in this place who maybe their, uh, their husband has passed on. But it's up to them now to carry on that torch of being a godly example. And Father, if there's anyone here that has not entered into a relationship with their heavenly Father today, I pray that they would do that based on the gift of your son Jesus Christ on the cross who died for all of our sins and provided for us a pathway to eternal life. Lord, we ask that you have your will and way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.